Welcome to a Nutrition and Clinical Practice podcast. I'm Dr. Jeanette Hassey, the Editor-in-Chief of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. The theme for the August 2021 issue of NCP is telehealth. Joining me today is Dr. Kasun Malden, the first author of the paper, Performing Nutrition Assessment Remotely via Telehealth, which is published in the August 2021 issue of NCP. Dr. Malden is a registered dietitian at Stanford HealthCare and an associate professor and dietetic internship director in the Department of Nutrition, Food Science, and Packaging at San Jose State University in California. Thank you, Dr. Malden, for joining me today. Before we start our discussion, I'd like to ask our guest if she has any disclosures on this topic that she'd like to share. Thank you, Dr. Hasse, for hosting me. I have no disclosures to report. So I think many of us clinicians kind of went through a crash course on telehealth this past year when COVID-19 pandemic hit and and it resulted in the shutdown of many of our in-person clinics. So I thought your paper was particularly helpful in that it gave us the big picture about nutrition and telehealth, but you also gave some very practical tips for applying telehealth to nutrition practice. So first, I want to start with some terminology that you discussed at the beginning of the paper. You talk about synchronous and asynchronous telehealth. Can you define the difference for our audience? Sure. So synchronous virtual visits run in real time where the clinicians and the patients meet virtually online live at a specific scheduled time. The synchronous mode of telehealth is really what many clinicians and patients have been introduced to during this pandemic. On the other hand, asynchronous telehealth interactions are a more flexible schedule as they are not in real time. Clinicians and patients communicate and access content per their convenience. Um, So an example of an asynchronous telehealth interaction is a clinician and patient messaging back and forth regarding, say, like a lab test via a clinic's HIPAA-compliant messaging system. Asynchronous communications have been a routine part of healthcare even before the pandemic, though now the frequency of asynchronous interactions have increased since the start of the pandemic. And this is mostly due to stay-at-home orders and physical distancing mandates that have really necessitated uh, more online interactions. Dr. Malden, I think it's like you said, when we think about telehealth, most of us think about that synchronous visit, specifically the the video visits. And I think we've all had kind of some stories that we've heard where people were doing their video visit while they're driving, all kinds of different things that have made it a challenge. So what steps have you found to be helpful to help the patients be prepared so that they can log in and be successful, but also What can the clinicians do to make sure that they have a successful telehealth visit with their clients? Sure. So I'll first focus on the clinician. Um, Before the telehealth visit, the clinician should really test their audio and visual setups, um, ensure that their device has a high quality camera set at eye level, and specifically avoid using a smartphone for conducting telehealth visits. They should check that they have adequate lighting, find a private location to conduct the visit, and then silence their phones prior to starting the visit. The clinician can also consider preparing visuals and having materials open on their desktop beforehand, and also consider maybe using a second monitor screen to write notes or to do internet searches during the visit. To help the patients prepare, the clinician can reach out and engage them beforehand to let patients know they should have a telehealth setup that is private and have enough space and hopefully a high quality camera for a guided nutrition-focused physical exam. During the visit, the clinician should try to look directly at the camera, 
Both the clinician and the patient should minimize background noise by wearing headphones and a microphone. It's helpful to briefly discuss a contingency plan with the patient for possible disconnection during the visit. So as an example, a disconnection contingency plan could be first try to log back on, but if unsuccessful, then transition the video visit to a phone visit. As clinicians and patients participate in more telehealth visits, they will gain more experience and following some of these uh, practice tips can really make a big difference. So when we started to do more telehealth visits, and especially the video visits, it was easy for me to understand how I could carry on a conversation with the patient and, and ask questions. But what was more challenging is, how am I going to do a physical assessment on this patient? So can you give us kind of some insight on how you can really perform your nutrition-focused physical exam with the patient over a video visit? Yeah, so um, I'm going to abbreviate nutrition-focused physical exam with NFPE. So the remote NFPE should start in the same manner as an in-person NFPE with a general visual survey. The head-to-toe assessment can still be performed via telehealth with a patient who's comfortable and willing to be guided. So it's really important uh, the camera angle and video quality are important factors for video visits. The clinician and patient will need to establish the positioning of the patient and the camera so that the clinician is able to see the area being assessed. And then the clinician can then guide the patient and and or the caregiver or family member if they're present through an adaptive version of the head-to-toe physical exam. So just as an example, uh, to assess fat and muscle wasting, the clinician can guide the patient to show each area of the body explain positioning, and then ask questions such as, does your face appear thinner to you? Uh, Maybe suggest patients look back at recent photos for changes. Uh, Ask the patient, does your clothes or glasses or jewelry or dentures if applicable fit differently? And maybe even, are you using your belt on a tighter notch? Another example to assess functional status, the clinician can observe the patient's posture and physique. Take note if the patient is able to maintain their posture or if they're using a wheelchair or a walker or if they're laying down. Questions to ask the patient include, do you notice any signs of weakness? Has your activity levels changed? If so, how? The clinician can also address with the patient activities of daily living and uh, explore how much time is being spent on various activities. These can be indications of uh, possible declines in functional status. For more telehealth adaptations, I recommend reviewing Table 2 from our NCP publication. It lists actionable steps and questions for guiding patients through an NFPE via video conferencing. Now, I do want to note that NFPE, whether done in person or remotely, requires varying amounts of time to conduct, but depending on the clinician's goal. So a comprehensive and in-depth NFPE may or may not be feasible given the variability of clinic schedules. As the clinician is reviewing the patient's health record prior to the visit, they can prioritize different components of the NFPE to assess. And it should also be noted that a telehealth NFPE will not produce as in-depth of an assessment as an in-person exam. Remote NFPEs really require more patient involvement and the clinician must gauge the patient's ability and readiness for a virtual NFPE. Challenges with technology, difficulty observing fine detail, and the patient's inability to comply with the instructions have been identified as gaps. Really, NFPE and telehealth nutrition assessments 
should continue to be explored and researched so that best practices can be further developed. Dr. Molden, I think we all feel like telehealth is probably not going away. And so talk to our audience about some of the benefits that you've seen with using telehealth and what are some of the barriers you've experienced and and how do you think telehealth will play a role in nutrition practice going forward? So there have been many benefits that um, I myself have observed in the clinical setting. Um, A unique advantage of telehealth is that the delivery of care is typically in a patient's home. And this allows a clinician to gain access to the patient's home life, including their kitchen, pantry, and meals and snacks, and uh, their typical foods eaten. Patients have the opportunity to easily show the clinician their medications or dietary supplements and their food products. And conducting an in-home virtual visit allows teaching opportunities using the patient's actual kitchen and foods as examples rather than theoretical food models or products unfamiliar to the patient. Um, Another advantage is that the patient's caretaker and other family members are more likely to be present during a telehealth visit, often allowing for more thorough answers to clinician questions. Um, On top of that, telehealth eliminates travel time and stress of finding parking and clinic location. Uh, It improves access to care, especially for patients in more rural areas. It allows family members to join remotely. An added benefit to telehealth is the potential for patient cost savings, as remote delivery of care would eliminate costs associated with travel, parking, and or the need to take time off from work. Now, there are also challenges to remote nutrition care. Um, In order for clinicians and patients to join a video conference, they must have a certain level of technical abilities. They have to have access to appropriate equipment and have reliable connectivity. Using new telehealth platforms and navigating online messaging systems um, or even filling out online forms are just a few of the telehealth activities that require technical savviness. Additionally, logistical and technological factors must be considered when multiple people, such as family members, caretakers, or even uh, language interpreters join one telehealth consultation from separate remote locations. In addition, clinicians must have access to electronic medical records, often via a virtual private network. So connectivity is key to being able to conduct telehealth. Now, certain locations may have poor connectivity infrastructure, or there may be unexpected power outages, resulting in communication difficulties during telehealth visits. Telephone delivery of care is also included in telehealth, but when the visit is conducted in an audio-only format, the clinician can no longer assess the patient's nonverbal physical cues that are often needed to determine how a patient is receiving the information. In some cases, delivering healthcare remotely via telehealth may not be feasible owing to economic access and or other disparities between different populations and locations. As to the future, it is reasonable to anticipate that performing nutrition assessments remotely via telehealth will continue. Really, over the past year and a half, telehealth has become more widespread and commonplace. There are and will continue to be patients who prefer telehealth over in-person visits. I really think that telehealth is here to stay. I know we've been focusing a lot on the synchronous part of telehealth, but your paper also goes into a good discussion on nutrition devices that are asynchronous or can be accessed remotely. And that can be activity trackers or glucose or blood pressure monitors or even different phone apps. So what would you recommend clinicians do to utilize this type of technology that we can also improve patient care or what success have you had with using those devices? There are certainly many direct-to-consumer technologies that can be used in nutrition assessment. 
uh, with many of these devices, such as the activity trackers, glucose or blood pressure monitors, um, an advantage is that this technology does not rely on subjective information, and it also removes the burden of self-reporting. These often wearable devices can be helpful in clinical interventions as they provide real-time information to the users, having potential to change immediate behaviors. Many patients use smartphone apps to track dietary intake, though I have to say that there is variability in the reliability of the data collected. Nonetheless, it can be helpful to have a multi-day record of dietary intake to assess the patient's dietary trends and even identify any changes over time. Now, with any data used in nutrition assessment, tracking relative changes over time in an individual will be more useful than using a one-time measurement or a one-time data point uh, compared to, to a reference. I think there is potential for these direct-to-consumer technologies to be more widely used in clinical practice, though accuracy and precision of the data collected will need to be further evaluated. It is important for clinicians to be familiar with current and emerging device technologies and their limitations as they help patients transform this data collected into useful information for making healthcare decisions. I do think that's really interesting that we do need to stay abreast of that. And, and your comment that came to mind when you were talking about you know, the accuracy of the data, I do think that there probably is some problem with that, but at least we're getting data where sometimes, like you said earlier, if you don't have that subjective, you know, we're relying on subjective and now we have a little bit more objective data. So I find that very helpful. Mm-hmm. All in all, I just uh, want to thank you for your participation in this. And, and before we close, do you have any other comments that you'd like to share today with our listeners? Well, thank you so much for providing this opportunity to highlight nutrition assessment via telehealth. Uh, I really hope our publication and this podcast are helpful in your clinical practice. Thank you, Dr. Malden, for joining us today and sharing your expertise with our listeners. I want to invite all of our listeners to find out more about telehealth and nutrition practice and the August 2021 issue of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. Thank you.